Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. We made it to E, so I'm going to have to go through it very fast. But so E was energy, energized, energetic, early example, eternity, and enterprising. So I kind of touched eternity a list, little bit, but we already touched God's word is active, right? But also energizing. So those two go together, active and energizing. Remember, God's word is actively working in you. As long as you're putting the word in your heart, it's working, it's working, it's working. God's Word's active, it's never passive, it's always active. So you apply God's Word, it's gonna be activated and acting on your behalf. I like what it says in, um, in Philippians 2.13, it says, you, you're not doing anything in your own strength, but it's God effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire, both to will and to work for His good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So he energizes you and he creates in you the power and the desire. I love that, you know, the Bible says God gives us the desire of our heart and there are things that are, the des- you know, our desire that God does give us. But there are things God puts in us that's actually his desire that he's put in our heart. You know, it's like people, I'm not gonna go to China. I'm never, I don't, Lord, please don't send me to China. But God puts, God, if he's calling you to China, He's gonna put the desire in your heart and you're gonna be praying, oh, please send me to China. Please send me to China. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. So God puts that desire in your heart and then he fulfills that desire. But at the same time, there's, there's some natural things that he's also, he's gonna meet those needs and he's gonna meet those desires. Let's be, listen, honestly, my husband has got the most amazing faith for, for stuff. I mean, he, he gives all. He, he, he's, he's an all or nothing guy. And he gives his all, he's always, his whole life, given his all for Jesus, for the gospel, for people. I mean, he would, he, he would whatever, give his life, he does. Every, he gives his life every day, really. He just gives and gives and pours out and gives. And then, you know, when he's asked God for something, you will, I mean, well, you're a believer, so you'll believe it, but you will not believe what God does for him. I mean, it's like, like things just, he just has a thought. I, you know, he's in the, in the Arctic. I feel like, I think, I think I need to go hunt a caribou. And they're like, there are days, days away. The hunt, caribou are days away. You're never gonna get a caribou. He's like, no, I'm gonna get a caribou. So they, they put him in a polar bear suit, literally made out of polar bear, right? Because when, you, when you're that high north, no man-made thing will keep you warm. Nothing, no man-made material will keep you warm. You'll freeze your buns off. The only thing that's gonna keep you cool is cool, uh, warm is animal fur or wool or even linen and, you know, and silk and cotton work as well. But you need the animal fur. You don't need the animal fur. You don't need a fur coat in Florida or you don't even need one in New York, but you need one <laughs> you know, up there. Otherwise, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get a whole lot of frostbite. Anyways, and look, he went out he preached in the morning, went out in the afternoon, they went out, there's a herd of caribou, shoots one, loads it up, brings it back, and he's back, in the, back there after a couple of hours drinking coffee, and they're looking at him, and there's the caribou, and they couldn't believe it. But you know, it was a sign and a wonder to the men in the village. <laughs> Amen. It was a sign and a wonder. We're in Australia, 
And he's like, I need, I need to get a, was it a, I get the model, a black marlin. I need to get a black marlin. I want a black marlin. They got black marlin in Cairns. I want to go. And so there was a church up there. So we, we Pastor Rodney said to the guy, I'm coming to preach in your church. And, uh, and the guy was like, you're coming to preach in my church? And we were in arenas, like 10, 12,000 people. And, and, but God spoke to him, go up there. So he, he goes up there, preaches in the guy's church and books the trip. I think there was like, oh, was it like, how many people were saved? I think it was like 50 people were saved or whatever, 30, 40 people, 50. So he's like, Lord, I, I have to have, a, I, okay, I'm getting it all wrong now. But it was a certain number saved. The, and he's like, I need a, a marlin. I need it to be this size because this many people got saved and I need, to, I need to, the marlin to be this size. So the, the captain's telling him, no, you can't go out and, and do anything because we're not gonna catch a marlin. You need to just, you're wasting your money. You need to just go and catch, you know, aim for something smaller. Aim for something smaller because this is not the season for marlin, right? He told him, it's not the season for marlin. We, and, and let's go bottom fishing or something. My husband's like, I am going fishing for a marlin. So anyways, that, that was the day before. So the next day, he, he gets there and the, the, the guy, the, the captain's face already is like, the, the sea was like glass. And you're talking, it was in the winter. Winter is not when you go fishing for black marlin. Summer is when you go, Right? Because the guys, there's no, no marlin, there's no marlin. It was, like, it was like glass. They go out, they hook a black marlin. Then he starts reeling it in. Then you're like, oh Lord, I can't believe I actually, you know, you, you ask for something, God gives it to you. And you're like, oh my goodness, what did I do? And because it's like hauling in a bus, right? So you gotta like, you gotta like I mean, because I caught a, uh, the, a mahi-mahi, and those things, and that's a small mahi-mahi, and that was like, that was quite hectic even getting that thing in, right? So you got like, you drop and you reel and you pull back and then you drop it in, you reel and you pull back. And so they say, man, it's gonna take you four hours. And Pastor Rodney's like, I'm not fit to sit here for four hours and reel this bus in. It's like, Lord, you're gonna have to just bring him in. Just, ta- just tell him, I'm not gonna kill him. I'm just gonna tag him and release him and take a couple of photos, but you gotta help me get this fish in. 29 minutes. And they, they pulled him up on the side, they measured it and you know, guesstimated he was about 500 pounds from, from, from his length. And, um, and then they, 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 they like run water over the gills and it's like, there's like lights. There's like these pretty lights. They light up on the side and then they blessed him and let him go. And it was written up in the newspaper, a sign and a wonder and a testimony. Pastor Rodney goes in another place and they told him, so because the Inuit and, and the Inuktitut and all that, they're allowed to harvest a certain amount of whales. And so, I mean, that's their livelihood, right? And so, but there was a bad whale harvest because someone came through and cursed their town. And they said, there's a curse. And my husband's like, well, I break the curse in the name of Jesus and you're gonna have the best whaling season ever. They had so many whales. I mean, they weren't even like halfway through the season and they had to stop because they have a quota. They got so many whales. Again, it was a sign and a wonder of God's goodness. Let me tell you, that made an impact in that entire town and through the whole community and every, all, all the other towns. They heard about the whales. The whales are coming, the whales are coming, the whales are coming. And he spoke that over, the whales are coming. And all these whales, amen, hallelujah. So, when you make God your favorite, you become His favorite. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Say that. I'm God's favorite. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
So God gives us the power and He gives us the desire and on top of it, He gives us the, he gives us the desire of our heart. The Bible says that faith is activated in Galatians 5, 6, faith is activated, energized, and expressed through love. Faith is expressed, energized, activated through love. Everything's gotta be done with love. The anointing, do you know that the anointing is love? Because God is love, the anointing is love. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed. It's love, love, love and the anointing, same thing. So if you wanna flow and operate in the anointing, you want God to use you in the anointing, then you gotta walk in love. If you're not walking in love to people, God cannot trust you with the anointing. He's not gonna, it's not gonna be the anointing. Listen, when we lay hands on people, a lot of, for a lot of people, you know, it's just empty hands on empty heads, as, they, as the saying goes. But there's, there's supposed to be a transference of something. That's why we don't just let anybody lay hands on anybody. Because like Pastor Rodney says, you don't know where the hands have been. The Bible says, know those who labor among you. Only let someone lay hands on you that you know who they are and you know what their doctrine is. Do you know, let me say this. I'm going to diverge and hopefully I'll get back to this, but I feel like I gotta say this. But you gotta, there's a lot of people call themselves prophets that are non-prophets. And they're on TV and some of them are ladies and they're operating by familiar spirits and they call themselves Christians. You've gotta, don't, don't listen to someone's prophecies till you've listened to their doctrine. Amen? Don't listen to their prophecies till you've listened to their doctrine. Because if they're telling you they're astral projecting into heaven and they are new age witches pretending to be Christians, that's, amen. And I know that because before I was born again, we were looking for something that was real because it wasn't in the traditional church. And we went into all that new age wacky stuff. I know what that stuff is. I recognize it. We, went, we didn't even know what it was, that it was called New Age, but that's what we were before it was even popular, back in the 70s, we were ahead of the curve. And let me tell all the young people here, you did not invent avocado on toast. I grew up eating avocados on toast. So get over yourself. <laughs> Act like you invented it, good grief. There's nothing new under the sun. I just thought that was funny. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's like this generation thinks they invented avocado on toast. Give me a break. Anyways. <laughs> it tastes good though, doesn't it? It's good stuff. <laughs> and so there's this new age screwed up mess. And then you've got the church going to the new age to, because, you know, they have the counterfeit. And so if the counterfeit, there must be a kernel of real in there. So let's go see if we can find the kernel of real and the stinking counterfeit of the devil. Are you crazy? You turn around, run away from that stuff. I was so, when I got saved, God turned the lights on and I, I could look and I could see that stuff is garbage. It's of the devil, it's a distraction, it's manipulative, it's witchcraft. And I, I said to you this morning or yesterday, I can't remember, but I said, women get manipulative because they don't have divine influence. God will give you divine influence if you will humble yourself and not be prideful. And a lot of people do it out of insecurity. 
It's insecurities, fear. Fear, it's fear-based, it's fear-rooted. And so they, they do it in the flesh, they do it out of the soul. And, I, and, I, and honestly, you can get mad at me, you can run out this place, you can, whatever, I don't care. But I believe, I'm here, I'm here preaching. So I believe God has anointed me to do this. I'm doing it under His unction because He told me, because my husband said, I, I need to do it and I'm obedient. <laughs> I'm a submissive wife. I'm doing what my husband tells me to do. And I'm doing what the Holy Ghost tells me to do, right? Because He's following the Holy Spirit. Because if I, if I wasn't supposed to be up here, then this would not be blessed at all, amen. And so God is going to use me as long as I stay in my realm, my, my sphere of where God has put me and I remain under authority, right? Because everybody, submission and authority. If you want some more, get my series on submission and authority. I have that one as well, as well as matters of the heart and love walk. Anyways, and that'll help you a lot, amen. Because it's like, but he, but she, but no, me, I gotta look at myself. So many marriages have got healed, even in revival, because they had a touch from God on the floor. She sorted her own stuff out with God. He sorted his own stuff out with God, and it somehow fixed the whole marriage. And they stopped looking at each other as the problem, and they started dealing with themselves. When each of them dealt with their own stuff with the Lord, it fixed the whole marriage. Amen. So revival begins in you. In other words, I should say revival, each of us says revival begins in me. doesn't begin in my in anyone else, in my husband or my kids or anybody, revival starts with me. So I gotta always look at my own heart, check my own heart, make sure I'm, I, it doesn't matter what my husband's doing or not doing. Thank God he's a godly man. But it doesn't matter. I have to do what's right. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I have to do what's right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Amen. So, so we have to be very careful as ladies we have to respect that God has put men in charge over us to cover us, to protect us, not to dominate us, not to abuse us, but to nurture us, to protect us, to cover us. Amen. The Bible doesn't talk about silly men, but it does talk about silly women. The silly woman, and it says, who are laden down by their own sin. Silly woman, laden down by their own sin. And then you get these unscrupulous men, says, sneaking around, creeping around. All the cult leaders surrounded by what? A bunch of silly women who don't have any better sense because they're laden down with sin. As long as you're full of sin, as long as you're a silly woman, laden down with sin, rebellious against God, but you're, you, want, you want it your way, you're gonna be deceived by anybody that comes along with some story, some manipulative story. Amen. And so we have to guard our heart. And so I'm, I'm, I am thankful, I'm very thankful for godly dads and for godly husbands that protect us and help us. And because they see things we don't see. We see things they don't see, right? So we can... How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you're married, you see things your husband doesn't see, so you can, you can influence and you can speak into his life. You can, he, you know, he can, you can help him see what you see, but he sees things you're, you're not seeing, and we need to honor that. We need to respect that, and so there's, there's godly authority, and so even you look at someone like Joyce Myers. She's successful. Why? Because on the platform, she's the one with the anointing. Dave, bless his heart, couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper bag, and he would say that himself sweetest guy under the sun. But she's the preacher. 
But when she gets off that platform, he's, he's the husband. She defers to him and he takes the lead. And she respects him because he's kind and he's a godly man. He's a strong, godly man. Amen. Well, it's either a curfew or a bus or someone's getting tired or that cleared the house. <laughs> Just had to say that. Anyway. So. Yeah, so be very careful who you're listening to, right? Be very careful. A lot of these people are just regurgitating other people's prophecies. So you just have to be very careful. And then the, the doozy is they prophesied something was going to happen, then it didn't. Then they, then they didn't say, well, I'm sorry, I missed it. They went, well, he was too prideful, and that's why that happened, the person they were prophesying about. I'm like, that, I need that roly eye emoji like on a... Like a big one. I want the big, big, big roly eye. <laughs> now, don't roly your eyes at your husband. And he, that's a sign of disrespect. The rolling of the eyes, if children do it or husband and wife do it to each other, not a good sign because it means disrespect. And that, that, that's not good at all. But I'm, I'm roly, roly eyeing my eyes. There's all, all these people that can't get up and say, I'm sorry, I, I ate a pizza and I. I should have kept my mouth. Why don't you just keep quiet? Why do you have to get up and prophesy some junk and then it doesn't happen? And anyways, it's just, they full of nonsense. Anyways, so in, in, uh, in Second Peter, in chapter one, it talks about, I'm gonna give you the paraphrase. Employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, which is excellence, resolution, Christian energy. That virtue is Christian energy. Of course, virtue, the anointing. Exercise virtue, develop knowledge. Exercise knowledge, develop self-control. Remember we talked about Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. So we don't learn by sitting here and taking notes. You're not learning, you're just you're hearing. If you get out and you go and do it, then you have learned it. You only learn it when you do it. So you, you've got to exercise. Exercise virtue, develop knowledge. Exercise knowledge, develop self-control. Exercise self-control, develop steadfastness. Exercise steadfastness, develop godliness. This is a progression of growth in your spiritual life. This is what this passage is talking about. Exercise godliness, develop brotherly affection. Exercise brotherly affection, develop Christian love or agape. So when you are perfected in love, you'll be just like Jesus. And we are all a work in progress. When we see him, we'll be like him. We are all a work in progress. Don't get discouraged. Keep on. If you make a mistake, repent to the Lord, pick yourself up, and keep going in the direction you know to go. Amen? Don't wallow and be a victim and, and, oh, I missed it. So what? You missed it. Say sorry. Get up and keep going. Amen? <laughs> Proverbs 9, uh, 8, 17. Seek him early. I love those who love me. Those who seek me early will find me. Seek ye the Lord, Isaiah 55, while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Then example, Jesus is our, our example and he makes us an example to others. Philippians 2.5, let the same attitude, purpose, and humble mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Copy him and follow his example. That Ephesians 5 says, be, therefore be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well beloved children imitate their father. And walk in love esteeming and delighting in one another as Jesus Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Then 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, pattern yourself after me, follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. So Paul's saying, follow me as I follow the Lord. So you look for people who are following Jesus, follow people that look like Jesus. 
Don't follow people that don't. I don't care what they say. They can, they can be the most fabulous preacher on the, world, on the earth, but if, they, if their life doesn't back it up, if there's any ungodly thing in their life, then I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about it. You know, it's like th- there's these pastors in another nation, I won't even talk about it, they try to m- make the excuse that, oh, it's our culture to drink, right? But what as always happens, they go from just, oh, weak spiritual, we can handle it, to having to have a designated driver, and they're not even ashamed of it. They order entire bottles of alcohol at lunch, and they have, they have a designated driver because they know they're not gonna be able to drive home, right? And they write books on leadership. I don't want to read your book on leadership. I am not interested in anything. You might have a lot of wonderful things to say, but your life speaks to me and tells me that you don't know anything. Amen. You don't have a clue. You're trying to talk about leadership. You're a leader. You are nothing. You are heading the wrong direction. You are a horrible example. Amen. Hallelujah. If you think, well, I can handle it, you have missed the boat by a mile. You need to live your life, not in condemnation, live with a righteousness consciousness, but you need to live your life like, you know what, if, if, if I was given, like you don't, well, I would never do that. Yes, you would. You so would. If, you, if the, the situation was right, if the, if the devil set it up for you, you so would mess up as good or as bad or as <laughs> whatever you wanna call it, as much as anybody else that you can look at and look down at and oh, look what they did. I'm, I, never wanna, I never wanna say, oh, I would never do that. I'm not planning to do that. I'm not planning to sin, but no, I'm not above sinning if the temptation and the situation was right because I'm not Jesus, I'm just me. I'm, I'm gonna be like him, I'm not like him yet. And I understand that there's a devil out there and he has been studying people for a long time. And he knows, he deceived Adam and Eve for crying out loud. He convinced them that there was stuff they didn't know. When they were made in the image of God, they knew, they walked with God, they talked with Him, they saw His face. And the devil convinced them that they were missing out on something. So don't underestimate the enemy. Yes, we have victory over him. Yes, he's under our feet. But the Bible says even the angels won't mock the devil. That's a spiritual principle. Don't mock the devil. So even when people are like the t-shirts, not today, Satan, I'm like, just like borderline, like kind of being flippant about it. You know what I'm saying? You need to have a healthy respect for how evil and conniving and deceitful he is. Do not be afraid of him because Jesus has defeated him. But have a healthy respect for the fact that he knows you much better than you know yourself and he knows how to trip you up. And so you guard your heart, right? So you don't put yourself in a position where you can be tempted. I'm not putting fear on you, please. Don't, don't start thinking about the devil and we're not here to glorify him at all. I'm just saying, don't push the envelope. Don't, oh, I can handle it. All the drug addicts say, oh, I'm fine, I'm on top, I can handle it. Every intervention, 
I'm not an alcoholic. Yes, I drink six bottles a day, but I'm not an alcoholic. I mean, the first thing they tell you is kind of a bad confession, but you kind of have to make people acknowledge, you know, like AA, I am an alcoholic. And they've got to say it their whole life, I am an alcoholic. Because they, they in denial, I didn't, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have a problem, I don't have a problem, I don't have a problem. In the meantime, someone's got to drive them home. I think you've got a problem if somebody's driving you home. So you understand what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to judge people. I'm just trying to tell you, don't, don't. Don't. We had a, a, a couple from Texas, and they went and they were pastoring a church in a nominational church in Scotland, right? And um, so they, there were some ladies in their church that had been alcoholics for a long time, a little older ladies. They got saved. They got radically touched, full of the Holy Spirit, delivered of alcohol, serving Jesus, right? So they forced the denomination, so stupid, they forced them to go back to America to, get, so, to raise their support. The support was in, in, in Scotland. They could have got support in Scotland. But anyway, you know, it's fine, go home for a vacation, but they make them go for several months. And then they couldn't choose who was in charge of the church. They put some doofus in there. He had a, a Bible study with an open bar. And here these two ladies fell right off the wagon. So now he caused them to stumble. Now they, dr- they were drinking again. Now they're in condemnation. Now they've got guilt because there's something between them and their father. And they all condemn, and you've just, you've just interrupted someone's walk with God. That is ungodly. That is not right. And I take offense. <laughs> I do, I do to that. That is not right. These are, this is people's eternity you screw in with. So there's things in our life that we choose not to do, not because we don't think we could handle it, but we do it because we avoid the appearance of evil. That's something God spoke to us early, early in our married life. Avoid the appearance of evil. Avoid even anything that looks like it could be from the outside for the sake of people. So we set ourselves, we set a higher bar for ourselves for the sake of the people because we love people because we never want to cause anyone to stumble. We don't ever want to hurt anybody. We don't ever want to be the cause of somebody going to hell. Amen. And, and see, I understand about the guilt and the condemnation. The devil wants to trip you up with sin because you know, he knows, you know, as a Christian, you know, even if you go and say, I'm sorry, Lord, and ask God to forgive you, he'll still try and bring that up and wind you, wind you, wind you, right, with the guilt. And what happens when you feel guilty, you are like Adam hiding in the bushes, ashamed. And God comes, where are you? I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? Because I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? That's what the devil wants. He wants to get you to stay away from the Father at all costs. He's going to lie to you and tell you God you know, killed your kid and makes you sick, blah, blah, blah. And then when you miss it and you, you sin, then he's going to wind that guilt. Oh, you can't come to God. Look, you would remember what you did. Look what you did, what you, you did, what you did. So the Lord said to me, because a lot of times we, we ask the Lord to forgive us and we Trust, we believe that he has forgiven us by faith because his word says that he has. But then if somebody brings it up or if the devil brings it up, if we remember it, what's the first thing we do? We start, well, but he, but she, but I, and but I had a reason for doing it. Well, if he's justifying it, you have not repented. So put on the sackcloth and ashes. Throw yourself as low as you can go on the floor. Say, Lord, I'm just kidding. Just painting a picture for you. But um, maybe I'm not kidding. Some people just need to do that. Whatever it takes, 
to get the victory, right? So you come to God, God, this is what I did. I acknowledge that it, it, it is sin. I'm sorry, and I have no excuses. Please forgive me. And then receive his forgiveness. When the devil brings it back up to you, you don't get defensive. You say, yes, I did that. And I'm a big fat mess without Jesus. But thank God, he forgave me. And he doesn't remember it. And you know what? I don't remember it either. Because he's, he forgot it, I'm allowed to forget it. And when I stand in front of Jesus, it's, not, it's gonna be blotted out. It's not gonna be in my record. It's not gonna be in my book. Amen. Amen. Because the power of sin is in its secrecy. People try to hide it, and it has more and more and more and more power, power over them. That's why you gotta bring it to the light. You know, I'm jumping over to N already, but naked and unashamed. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed before God, and then the sin brought in the shame. But God wants us again to be naked and unashamed in front of Him. And I'm talking about naked heart. Amen. To be open, say God, and be open with Him. And Lord, if there's anything in me, touch me, change me, wash it out, clean me, Lord, because I wanna be pure before you. Amen. So we need to be willing to get naked in that sense of getting real with God, getting intimate with God, getting when nothing's hidden, nothing's held back. And sometimes that's a process for us. We're so busy, you know, and it's a process of getting to that place where we feel like we can open up even to, to God. Because a lot of people can't even acknowledge things to themselves. They can't even be honest with themselves about themselves. And they get offended if anybody else is honest with them, right? But we need to be willing to be, Lord, there's nothing off limits. Yeah. I mean, I remember getting that place in my life. God did that progressive work in me. And then there was that day where I'm like, Lord, you know what? Nothing's sacred. Whatever, whatever you want to spring clean in me, clean it out. I don't want to hang on to any thought or anything. Now I want to, I want to hang on to nothing. Clean it out, clean it out, clean it out. Get rid of it. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to be willing just to be naked and unashamed in front of him and I'm to have his way. Get real. Be real with God because he's going to be real with you. I don't know about you, but God, he knows when how to put me back in line. <laughs> but we did make a covenant with God, Rod, and I made a covenant with God early on in our marriage. We said, Lord, if we, if we get to heaven and we find out that we missed it badly, it's your fault. Because we give you permission to knock in on us at any time and straighten us out. So God, you have permission. So we, we don't have, there's not a lot of space between our, between our guardrails. God puts guardrails there. The guardrails are there so you don't go down over the cliff. You need those guardrails in your life. So ask God to put those guardrails there to protect you. And if you're going the wrong direction, let him sort you out straight away and you'll be thankful. If you're heading for a cliff, wouldn't you want someone to be like, hey, you're heading for a cliff. I heard a story. There was a, a man called Uncle Arthur and he was beautiful. He put all these books together of true testimonies of people, how God touched. It was the whole book was testimonies for children. Powerful books. English gentlemen put the books together like in the 
40s, 50s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And the one story was, was about a little boy, and he was running, and it was one of those, I guess it was like a vol volcanic um, mountain or something, but it was gravel. Everything was very slippy, slidey gravel. So you know what happens if you're running downhill on gravel, or the, the gravel starts moving, it just, it, you just start sliding with the gravel. And there was a huge, very deep chasm in front of the kid. And he, is, he was rapidly sliding, the, he couldn't, you know, he was, didn't know what to do, but he couldn't stop himself and he's heading for this chasm. And his father screamed at him, sit down. And because he was an obedient little boy, he sat his butt down and it completely slowed the progress and, and stopped him right before he was gonna go over this cliff. And there's certain stories, that, and I'll never forget those, but that God, his dad saved his life because he obeyed. Because he obeyed. God is going to put boundaries and parameters on you to protect you. I mean, your children, you tell them, you can play in the yard, do not go out of the gate. Why? Because if they go in the street, a car will run them down or something bad's gonna happen to them. So stay in the yard. Stay in God's yard. Stay where he can protect you. Don't be a doofus and go out there and think you're being brave. You're not being brave, you're being silly and put yourself out in the devil's turf because he will take you out. Don't push the envelope. Don't go, how much can I get away with and still make it into heaven? Amen. If you're gonna be brave, be brave, be bold in Jesus. Be brave to go to a foreign country. Be brave to walk up to someone, ask them, has Jesus ever told you? Amen. Be bold and brave. I, I wanted to bungee jump because I was terrified of bungee jumping. My husband forbade me, so I wasn't allowed to. But he was like, you know, we don't take stupid risks in the natural. In the spirit, we take all the risks. What people think are risky. But when God does it, you know, but it does, it does feel a little risky. But God's there to see you through, amen? Because we're not building canoes. We're building the ark because we're obedient. Amen. Hallelujah. So eternity is very important. Enterprising. We are enterprising because we have his wisdom and creativity. Deuteronomy chapter 8 talks, the whole chapter talks about it, but particularly verse 17, 18. Beware lest you say in your mind and heart, my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So it is God that gives you the power to get wealth for the sake of his covenant, to fulfill his covenant to his, because he said, I will, he told Abraham and Abraham's blessings to ours, I will bless you. So God said that to you too. If you, are you a child of Abraham? The Bible says you are then God has said to you everything he said to Abraham. He said, I will bless you. Do you know what that means? You are blessed. You are blessed. When Barak was paid to try to, to curse the Israelites, God wouldn't allow him. They paid him. They tried their best. They did all these sacrifices. They tried their best. And he said, I, I have to say what God tells me. And no one can curse what God has blessed. When you in the center of God's will, no witchcraft will, will, will succeed against you. No power of the enemy. Nothing the enemy says or speaks or does is going to touch you. You are protected. Amen. You are protected. No one can curse what God has blessed. They can jump up and down and stand on their head. They're not going to be able to curse you. Amen. Then, then N, we talk about his name. His name is so wonderful. In his name, we ask for everything. He, he has... 
whatever we ask in his name. He has chosen us. He's ordained us to produce good fruit and then our fruit will remain. And whatever we ask the Father in his name, he's gonna do it. The great commission is go out, you know, and he that believeth in my name, they'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink any deadly thing and shall not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. God has given us a new, brand new heart. We are brand new creation, hallelujah. He took out the stony heart and he put in a soft heart. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old has passed away and behold, the fresh and the new has come. We have a new birth, we have a new nature, hallelujah. We have a new name and we have a new family. John 1:12. but as many as received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Isaiah 62, six says, the Gentiles shall see your righteousness and kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. And then Revelation talks about a white stone and there's a name, God has reserved a name for you that only he knows that will be revealed in the days to come. You have a new name and a new calling. He changed Abram's name to Abraham, a father of many nations. Sarah to Sarai gave her a new name and a new life and a baby and a blessing and the fulfillment of all of his blessings that he spoke over him. He changed Jacob's name to Israel. He said, you have struggled with God and men and have prevailed. And then Saul was called Paul. I'm sure if your name was Saul, you would want it to be changed to Paul because you wouldn't want to remember all the things that Saul did. When you become a Christian, to remember and know how you persecuted and brutally were part of the murder of men and women and children. You thought you were doing right. And he could come to that place where he said, I have wronged no man. And he wasn't lying because he has washed clean of that and forgiven, amen. Thank God. See, we don't understand that. You know, there's a scripture that says, God's ways are higher than our ways. And people use that to talk about what the devil does. Oh, your child died because God's ways are higher than that. That is such garbage. Read it in context. It's talking about God's mercy. It's talking about his mercy and grace. God's ways are higher than our ways. He has mercy when we have no mercy. When there's people we don't think that he should forgive, he has mercy if they'll come to him because he said, whosoever comes to me, I won't turn them away. So someone could be the most horrendous, serial, cruel murderer, and they can get saved before they put them in the electric chair and they'll go to heaven. And that is not fair because their victims probably went to hell. No, it's not fair, but that's the way it is. God says, I will have mercy on who I have mercy. And you are not gonna tell me who I can bless and who I'll forgive. Amen. Because we think we're better than God and we blame God for doing all the bad things and we have this sense of false humility. Like I said the other day, that dumb song, God, if you fail me, I won't fail you. What? You putting yourself above God? I'm not even gonna go there because that makes me, because you might as well just say really bad words about my father to say that he is a liar and he's unfaithful. You might as well just use cuss words. That's a cuss word to say God is unfaithful. That's a curse. You, you, you are cursing him when you say he doesn't keep his word because that is so, that is not my dad. That He is honorable. He is faithful. He keeps his word. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is only, only good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Simon read Peter, the rock. And Jesus didn't build his church on Peter. It's two different words. Little rock, big rock. You are Peter the rock, and I'm going to build my, my church on the rock. What's the rock? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hallelujah. That's the rock that we're built on. That's the foundation. And then Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor than silver and gold. A good name is worth more. And then Ecclesiastes 7 says, a good, a good name is as precious ointment. Then, aren't you glad God's going to give us a heavenly body? That's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's going to be full redemption. That's going to bring us back to the, God. See, God never changed his mind about us. And he's going to bring us back all the way back around. Whatever Adam and Eve gave up, he's restoring everything back to us. Then end for narrow way. Enter, the, enter, the narrow, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and spacious and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are those who are entering through it, but the narrow gate contracted by pressure and the way is straightened. The gate is na- narrow and the way is straightened and compressed that leads to life and few there are that find it. There's only one way. There's plenty of paths you can take to hell. You can fully, full-on serve the devil every day of your life. You can bow down and worship the devil and kiss his statue and whatever. Or you can be a semi-good person that's not born again. The lot of you are going the wrong way. There's only one way, Jesus. Amen. No good works, no nothing. Faith, grace, blood of Jesus, only way. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curses. Therefore, choose life that your, you and your descendants may live. Don't you love God's multiple choice? He gives you all the answers. <laughs> he says, I've set before you life and death and blessing and cursing. I recommend you choose the life <laughs> so that you and your seed may live. And then in Hebrews, he said, let your character be free from the love of money. Greed, avarice, lust, a craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you or leave, give you up or leave you without support. And then it says, in, in the Greek, it says, I will not, I will not, I will not. I'm not just saying will not three times. It says it here. I'm reading it. I will not, I will not, I will not. I will not fail you. I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread to be terrified. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. Don't you just love that? Write that down. That's Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And go look it up in the Amplified. God says, I will not in any way fail you. You need to write that down and stick it up on your wall. Maybe we can make a poster for you and then, or a t-shirt. Maybe Jonathan can make a t-shirt. <laughs> I will not, I will not, I will not. 
in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you or let you down. I will not leave you without support. Thank you, Jesus. Then T is for trusted treasure, timely triumph, trophy, grace, and truth. So truth, grace, and truth, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Romans 3, 4, let God be found true, every man a liar. His word is truth, John 17, 17 to 19, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The truth shall make you free, Jesus said. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth, the truth will make you free. The, fa- the, the devil is a father of lies, he's a murderer, and he's a liar from the beginning. Don't believe a word he says. Then Ephesians 5, 8 through 10, you are sometimes in darkness, now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. The Lord says that we must run away from evil and we must seek after and pursue righteousness. Don't run after money, don't run after fame, don't run after other people acknowledging you, or giving you a pat on the back, don't run after any of those things, run after righteousness. Seek righteousness, God's righteousness, God's truth. And then 1 Peter 1.22, 1 seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So we purify our soul by obeying the truth. Obey the word and you'll purify your heart. Obey, obey, obey. Listen, that's, I believe that's the first thing the Holy Spirit speaks to any of us about. Obey, 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 obey. It's one of those funny words. You say it over and over and it starts sounding very funny, but obey. Pastor Rodney prayed for a whole, a whole bunch of kids in a church one time and you know, called them out of, ch- out of kids' church, prayed for them. They hadn't even been in the meeting and they were on the floor weeping, laughing, getting touched. And he started picking them up, right? Just all ages, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, picking them up, crying, weeping. What's the Lord saying to you? I must obey. What's the Lord saying to you? I must obey. What's the Lord saying to you? I must obey. Get your kids under the anointing. It's very good for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, that's what got my kids through everything. It was under the fire of God, under the anointing, and my grandkids too. First John 3.18. So get your kids in the meetings. Don't leave them at home. And your children's church shouldn't just be fun, fun, fun. It should be the word. The word at, the, at a level they can understand, but not watered down. Just simplified, but not watered down. Amen. Our, our kids, they, they're, they're tiny. They lay hands on everybody. We've, we've had sessions where all the teachers were drunk under the anointing. The kids are laying out. The parents came in, and like the, the awe of God, the fear of God was in kids' church. They started laying hands on the parents. And the parents were out of the power, and they just... They couldn't, I mean, I don't know what time they went to. We'd finished, we'd actually finished here. And they, went, they just carried on with revival there. All the, all the little kids. 1 John 3, 18. That's, isn't that awesome? You, you, you grow up in that. I mean, it is real. It's real to you. You'll never forget that. Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice and sincerity. Amen. I mentioned the silly woman. The, in the Amplified, it's actually the silly and weak-natured and spiritually dwarfed woman. <laughs> Loaded down with the burden of their sins and easily swayed and led by, away by various evil desires and seductive impulses. Listen, do you know what virtuous means? It means strong. Virtue is the opposite of valor. Valor is, well, not the opposite, but it's the feminine of valor. 
valor for the boys, virtue for the girls, it actually means strong, it means worth or precious or, or of, it has to do with wealth. It has to do with wealth, it has to do with honor, it has to do with, with being morally perfect, but strength. When you are a virtuous woman, you're not weak. When you're a woman of God, you are strong. You are strong, you are strong, you are strong in the Lord and the power of His might. But women are full of sin are the weak, weak-natured, silly, those, and you are not. There are no silly women in this room. Amen. Not one silly woman is sitting here. It says they're ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, so you've got oh, the Oprahs of the world, and they have every guru on, and they're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Bless her heart, she's a silly woman. And you should not look up to her for those reasons. Amen. Maybe there's some other things you can look up to her for. I don't, I don't know if there is anything. But it's like, you know what I mean? I, I would rather not. I mean, if I, they, you know, they say, eat the hay and spit out the sticks. But just sometimes there's just so many sticks, it's not worth the hay. <laughs> Seriously, right? And if you're offended at me that I just have, you know then that's your can of worms and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Just cause someone's on TV doesn't make them the authority on everything. Amen. I think she's a fantastic businesswoman and she, I mean, she, there's, there's a lot of things to, to be admired in, in what she has built and done and she's, you know, she's been tenacious and she built it, she was enterprising. I don't take away from any of that but she is not the one that should be telling you how to get to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Or any of the people she has on her show, even if they're pastors. That's all I'm gonna say about that. You are known by the people you hang out with. And if you can hang out with that person, listen, she had this one out, outdoor thing, I don't know if you ever saw it, but they had all, now a lot of the black uh, singers and ministers, a lot of the people out there, they're raised in church, right? So they've got this kind of understanding of God, but they're not serving God. And um, so they, they sort of, they know about him, but they don't know him. They think they do because, you know, they sat in church, but it's like me, I thought I was a Christian because <laughs> yeah, I wasn't Jewish and, uh, or, or, or Muslim. <laughs> so, but, so they kind of have an understanding, but somebody started singing a praise song and the anointing came down. Let me tell you, the, all those ladies there, they were, including Oprah, they were like a moth to the light. They were like, what is that? You know what it is? It's the anointing. But they miss out on it because they're too prideful to bow their knee to Jesus. You see, they, wanted, they want heaven their way. You can't have heaven your way. You can only have heaven his way, and his way is Jesus. Amen. True riches, we talked about that. If you haven't been faithful with money, how can you be trusted with the true riches? So we need, we need to remember that. You need to handle money very carefully and understand that you are a steward of it and God will put it in your hands for a purpose. Amen. So pray over your money, use wisdom over your money, but don't let your money control you, manip manipulate you, don't do anything for money, and don't, do any, don't, don't stop doing something because you don't have the money. So many ministers, oh, we, oh, I can't take my wife, they're traveling ministers, I can't take my wife and kids on the road, we don't have the money. 
Well, if you don't have the faith to believe to carry your wife and your kids on the road, then I don't know if I want to listen to you. I don't know if I want to, I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? Is it okay? I don't know if you have, if you have no faith to take your wife and kids on the road with you, what are you going to be teaching me? What are you going to be preaching to me? Huh? Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm very thankful for my husband and that he, he put his faith out to make sure that I was always taken care of and the kids were always taken care of. Amen. We got married with absolutely nothing. I mean, nothing, there was nothing, nothing. And everybody told us we were nothing. And we knew we were nothing. But we weren't relying on us. We were relying on him. Amen. Hallelujah. And he has never failed us. He treasures us. Psalm 17, 7, 8, it's, he talks about, I mean, verse 8 says, keep me as the apple of your eye, which is literally the pupil of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. So he treasures us, and then we are to treasure him. Keep my commands and live, and my law is the apple of your eye. That's Proverbs 7, 2. Then true treasure, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7, for God said, let light shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts as to beam forth the light for the illumination and the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ the Messiah. However, we possess this precious treasure, this, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Why, the Bible says that God doesn't use the high and the mighty and the the accomplished and the, the ones that are big in man's eyes, but God uses the ones that are little in man's eyes so that he can be glorified, so people can, can know that it's him. So don't, don't look at yourself, don't look at how small, don't look at how, what little you have. Give your little to Jesus and he will be glorified through it. Amen. He will be glorified through it as long as you surrender it to him. And then good treasure or evil treasure, good man out of the good treasure brings forth good things. Evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then, of course, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And then the Bible talks about, um, as for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others. This is 1 Timothy 6. Nor set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Charge them to do good, be rich in good works, to be liberal and generous of heart, ready to share with others. In this way, laying up for themselves the riches that endure forever as a good foundation for the future, that they may grasp that which is life indeed. A lot of times, because the Bible talks, it talks about, it just uses the word rich, and it says, woe unto you, rich, and that, but it's literally, it doesn't mean, God is not condemning them because they have money, but he's rebuking them because money has them. God doesn't mind if we have money, but he does mind if the money has us. Because if the money has us, he doesn't have us. And the money is taking us, the money, we're cheating on God with money. That's what we're doing. We're supposed to be married to him, to the Lord, and we're cheating on him. We got a boyfriend called money. Should I say that again? God is our husband, and we got this boyfriend called money. And God's like, oi. You can't have any boyfriends called money because I'm your husband. Amen. So he doesn't condemn the rich and you filthy rich. He says, as for the rich, so there's nothing wrong with having money, but he says, don't be prideful and arrogant. Take your money and do good stuff with it. 
and because you'll be laying up treasure in heaven. And then we know, God says, if we honor him in our giving, what's going to happen? Overflow, overtaken, abundance. You can't outgive God. So you might be rich, but you're going to be richer. You're going to be richer spiritually, you, and you're, going to be, you're just going to be blessed. You are just always going to be blessed. I mean, I know people who don't even believe in, in this, but they're givers, and they're blessed. They don't even understand how they're blessed, but it's like there's a protection on their business, and they're blessed because they give and give and give and give, like, like Cornelius. What they need is to be saved, but God will bless them anyway because they're being a blessing to others. Amen. T for triumphant. Because of God's promises, we know we'll be triumphant. Jesus triumphed over every one of our enemies. God disarmed the principalities, powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display, a public example of them in triumphing over them in it. Triumphing over them in it and in the cross. Colossians 2.15. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have God, little children, have, have overcome them because great is he that's in you, that's he that's in the world. John 4, 1 John 4, 4. Now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 2. Then God gives us, thank, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through, through the, our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, whoever's born of God overcomes the world. And we love God, we love the children of God, we keep his commandments. That's 1 John 5, 2 to 5. And then when we finish our race, we receive the, the, the trophy, the prize talks about, you know, running the race to win the prize. And we don't run to lose, we run to win. Amen. And he says, I, I, I don't, brethren I don't, and sisteren, I don't count myself to have arrived. He's apprehended. But one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind and I reach forward to those things that are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians chapter 3. So, there we wrapped it all up and I got agent and thank you for hanging with me till midnight. <laughs> Amen. So, we've got tomorrow morning. I know some of you have to leave and won't be here, but um, we got tomorrow morning. But we're going to, I just want you to take this home whenever you do go home today, tomorrow, or after Sunday. If you can stay for Sunday, if you're from out of town, stay, stay for the stand. It's awesome. But take that with you. You're, you're an ambassador, you're a representative, you're a real estate agent, <laughs> you're a special agent, and most of all, you are a secret agent. And God has anointed you, His anointing is in you, His glory is in you, you're carrying this treasure in earthen vessels, and you're gonna go out of this place and God's gonna fulfill the desire of your heart, amen. He's gonna bless you. Listen, the thing, I wanna tell you in closing, the thing that terrified me more than anything was women's ministry, and, and it was, it, I was terrified. I don't know what, I, I had all these thoughts of what it was, and I, I was, you know, anyways. But God started stirring my heart a few years ago Started stirring my heart, and I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, if you want me to do it, you've got to grace me for it. You've got to help me with it. Lord, I'm feeling this thing, but I don't know how to do this. Because I didn't want to do it in the flesh. I, wanted, I, didn't, want to do, I didn't want to follow someone else's pattern. I wanted to hear from the Holy Spirit, and I needed, because He knows me, and He knows how, He knows what, He, he, he knows, He knows, He knows. So I, I need to yield to Him and do it the way He wants me to do, because that's the only way that it's going to be blessed, Right? And for each of us, God's called you, He's anointed you, and you kind of know the direction, but you really need to seek Him for like the specifics 
of it, to know exactly how and what he wants, how he wants you to do it, not to look to other, other people. Listen, when revival broke out, we were looking for someone to follow, right? When the joy broke out, or we were looking for who, who's gone before us that has done so. There wasn't anybody. <laughs> so we, it forced us to just keep our eyes on Jesus, and that's, a, that's an okay place to be, when you have no person to look at but just Jesus. And so you know what I did? I started picking out ladies that were already in ministry, certain ones I felt, and I gave them personally an offering from myself. So I thought, I'm gonna sow into them and I'm believing God as I give this gift to this lady that's ministering and she's out there and being a blessing that God is gonna show me and he's gonna bless me and he's gonna anoint me for this ministry because I know that it's necessary. And what's awesome is like when we were traveling, it was kind of hard to do it. And then we've got the Bible school going. And it's like, where are we gonna meet? Like in the corner of something, you know what I'm saying? It's like all these logistical things, but we don't, you know, sometimes we think that too much and then we let that stop us from, from what we need to be doing. And it was amazing because then as I began to just pray, pray, pray and ask the Lord for wisdom and then sow into these ladies and bless them, God started opening it up to me, amen. And so two years ago, we, we did our first Covenant Women's Conference, and then of course last year was canceled, and then this one. And so, so I have to tell you, like I come into these things like in, in a sense, I wanna say fear and trembling, not in fear, but you know what I'm saying, just really reverence for the Lord to not miss it, to not, you know, and that, to know that ladies come and, and God wants to touch them and He wants to meet their needs, and that I don't wanna, I only wanna do what He wants me to do. Amen. Because, you know, for all of us, there's things that kind of come easy, and then there's other things that kind of scare us that we have to do. But if we just trust Him, just trust Him. And I want to tell you, I, I want to say that I, f I feel like God has done exceedingly abundantly above all that I could have, you know, anything I could have dreamed or imagined in my heart, God has exceeded it. Amen. He has exceeded everything. He has exceeded everything. And Amen. And and so I want to say that I'm just blessed by all of you, and I'm so thankful. Thank you for coming to join with us. Thank you. I, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I know it's not, you know, when, when the Lord talks about the banquet, invite them all to the banquet, and they'll, oh, no, I'm too busy. I can't come. He's like, hey, just go find anybody and bring them. I, I need to fill up this table. But thank you for coming to our table and joining us and hanging here with us. And if you're here from out of town or out of the country, we love you and our hearts are with you and, and, and we pray for you and we bless you and, and we pray God's blessing on you and his protection on you, his angels and his blood and that God is gonna raise you up to do mighty exploits. You're gonna be a woman of mighty exploits, gracefully, bold, hallelujah, and a mouthpiece for the Father and that he's gonna use you in a mighty way. So I bless you, Father, I bless each and every lady as they go from this place. And I know, Lord, we're gonna come back tomorrow, but I thank you that for those who are not going to come back, that they're gonna go on their way. I thank you, Lord, that you bless them. Be with them, go before them, make their path straight, Father. Thank you that your angels encamp around about them and watch over them and protect them and no harm and evil shall come nigh to them. And thank you, Father, that you go before us to lead us and behind us to guard us. And I thank you, Lord, that you bless every work of our hands. Lord, you bless our enterprise. We know that it's you that's given us the power to do anything and to create wealth and to be a blessing, Lord. It's, it's all you, and we give you all the honor and the glory. And so, Father, I thank you for the ladies here that came with, with some questions or they, they, they feel in their heart that you've, they, 
There's a new level that you're calling them to, Father, and they're pressing in for that, and they're seeking that, and that's their desire. And then I thank you, Father, that you will, you will give them the desire of their heart. You will, you will anoint them like you, you anointed me and you showed me and you've, you have, you, Lord, you, you are so awesome and you've done exceedingly abundantly. I thank you, Father, that you will bless them. Whatever you put in their heart, they can do. They can do it because you anoint it and you flow through them, Lord. And may they be just such a great blessing wherever they go. May they bring glory and honor to you in everything they do, in everything they say, everywhere they go. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And it's, it's, it is midnight, but hey, some cameras have been gone two o'clock, so I don't feel too, too bad. But anyway, but we do want to come back tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I just want to say, if, if you're, I'd like to pray. I'm going to pray for ladies tomorrow. But if there's any ladies that are, that are not going to be here tomorrow, and if when I was talking about that, if there was something God's put in your heart, especially if you're a pastor's wife or minister, and there was something that you've been really praying about and seeking the Lord about, and something that has an eternal purpose, whether it be business or ministry, and then, you know, I'd like to be able to pray with you. If you're not going to come back tomorrow, this is your last day, then just jump up and come forward and line up quickly in one row, not, not behind one another, guys, so just in one row. If there's too many here, then just put them in an aisle. So just one, one row here, and then as soon as this is full, then, then, okay, ladies, just slow down, slow down, coming down the aisles. Okay, let the ushers direct you. Let them direct you. Come forward till it's full here, and then we'll, then we'll put you up over there in the aisle. And everybody else, don't, if you want to talk, go outside. Just go outside and talk. We love you very much if you're not coming back. But bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So I'm gonna start praying for everybody here. In the meantime, guys, just line up the ladies who, who are not gonna be able to come back tomorrow. Father, I pray for them, Lord. I know you've put things in their heart. I thank you, Lord, that, that you've anointed them, you've called them. And I thank you, Father, that whatever's in their way, that you'll move it out of the way in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. you you're so good, Father. And I thank you that when we are doing things for your eternal purpose, you bless it. I thank you, you move heaven and earth to make it happen if that's what you want. And so Lord, we, we put all of our plans and our desires and our heart's desires, we put it in your hands. We give it to you, Father. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, whatever is not of you, burn it up, Father. Let it come to nothing. But whatever is of you, let it grow, let it grow, let it grow, let it burn in our hearts, Father. Let it burn in us and let it grow until it explodes out of us in Jesus' name. And I thank you for your glory and for your honor and for your blessing, Father. And we thank you for it.